0: Jim Hughes with Afio Now. I have another very special guest today who's going to be talking about a very timely subject. She is Linda Millis. She started her career in the community as a Russian linguist at uh, NSA. She worked on PIVIAB. She worked in the CIA's Op Center. Um, she was on the DCI's career uh, community management staff. Um, she worked for the ODNI in the um, private sector outreach, and currently she is a professor at uh, Marymount University. Linda's going to talk to us a very, about a very topical uh, issue today, having to do with a report that PIFIAB did a number of years ago on the role of women in the intelligence community. Linda, welcome to AFIO Now.
1: Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me here. And uh, you're right, it's great, it's a good timely topic, you know, and uh, we picked it several weeks ago, so I- I'm glad to be talking about this today.
0: So let's get started. First of all, to remind our viewers, what is PIFIAB, the President's Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board, who makes up the board, and what kind of reports do they issue?
1: Okay, great. So, um, you know, I was on the PIFIAB staff from 1994 to 1996. I was um, a detailee from the National Security Agency, but a little bit more on the board. The board was started in, in 1956, and as the name suggests, it's an advisory board for the president. So um, the members are selected by the president and serve without any compensation, but they are um, compensated, reimbursed for any any um, expenses that they have. So, so you might say, well, who is on the board? Well, again, it really does depend on the president. They, he handpicks the people to be on there. And there tends to be People from different backgrounds, some from the intelligence community, some from the private sector, some from other coaches. And I think what some of its value is the variety of the members and how they bring different perspectives to issues. Um, and so the topics that the board um, chooses to write from reports on to advise the president come in a number of ways. Sometimes they're um they're actually taxed by the president to do something. Sometimes they are self-directed. If they think there's an issue that the president should learn about, they'll, they'll use the topics. Um, and sometimes they might even come from the National Security Council who might task the, um, the PIFIAB to do something. But I should add that it's no longer the PIFIAB. So in 2008, you might recall that the F for foreign came out of a lot of things that had to do with intelligence when we started looking at a lot of more domestic issues. So now it's the PIAB just the president's intelligence advisory board. So, you know, it along with, you know, a lot of other things, the intelligence community lost the F. And so now, if you wanna learn about it, it's the PIAB, the P-I-A-B.
0: As you well know, Linda, um, the board in 1995 issued a report on the role of women in the US intelligence community. Can you tell us a little bit about that report, please?
1: So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. And um, I was thinking about that report, um, you know, lately, as we're seeing a lot of um, discussion about, you know, women in the intelligence community. And uh, it's timely. We got the first uh, Senate-confirmed uh, Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, as a DNI. So that's some um, great news. Um, this report... One of, one of the, so it's always fun for me to go back and look at some of these old reports and look at the recommendations and see whether or not we've made any progress. And so I was thinking about it. And one of the, one of the things that we talked about in this report is, which was in 1995, as you mentioned, 25 years ago, we were wishing for the day when a woman was named to a senior intelligence office and it wasn't news. We were saying we'd like there to be a day when it isn't news. And here we are 25 years later, and it's still news. So we haven't really gotten there, you know. And, you know, we're looking at a woman as a vice president. We're looking at the first woman as the um, director of national intelligence. And one of our goals was to move to a day where when we named a woman, we didn't have to say the first woman as such. And, you know, so I'm a little, so, you know, we have made significant progress, but it's still news every time we name a woman. So um, we still got some work to do, I think. We would just prefer not to have it be news. Um, so a couple, I, I, so, you know, a lot of the recommendations that I, I recall, um, you know, we've made great progress. We looked a lot back then on the number of women um, in the intelligence community and their representation in the senior executive ranks. And we, we, we focused on the CIA NSA and DIA and, and the, the numbers were abysmal back then, you know, while um, there was nearly 40 percent women represented in the overall workforce, there was only like eight to 10 percent in the senior executive ranks. So I'm happy to report that that we've made great progress in that. We've got really good representation in the senior executive ranks um, for women. So there's been a lot of progress there. But, you know, the one of the other things that we talked about in this report and um, it's about the numbers, and that we we were we were making the point that the numbers should only be a way to measure success or progress. The numbers shouldn't be a driver of decisions. So that we shouldn't be saying, "Oh, we need to get our number up numbers up." Let's pick um, a woman or a person of color, like you know. And we should not have the statistics drive our decisions that the numbers should only be a way of measuring our progress in the past. And so it's kind of a way of turning turning your progress upside down. I think we need still need to do a little bit more work on that. I was looking at some of the numbers today as a way of measuring progress. And, um, you know, I think I think we are making a lot of progress. And you talk a lot about, we talked a lot about in that report about the culture, changing the culture for women in the intelligence community. I still think we have some way to go about um, doing that and thinking about um, the role of women and how fundamentally we have to change the culture and recognize the strengths of women and reward those, which may be different than what men bring or people of color. We have to recognize all of those strengths and reward all of them. So it's kind of a shift in the culture. I don't think we're there. And one of the other interesting, I want to mention this one because this one's kind of fun. We mentioned this as a uh, a recommendation that never, ever got adopted. But, you know, i put it out there again. And we mentioned that at this time it was the DCI, but this head of the CIA. So we we say the head of the CIA, the NSA and the head of these agencies should conduct the classes on diversity. They should attend the classes on diversity and in some cases maybe even conduct one or two. And that, that would send a message that that this is important. I don't really think that's happening but you know hey we'll put it out there again
0: were there any other major uh recommendations or conclusions by the board
1: um you know like i said a lot of them have been um adopted and you know one of the concerns about you know why did the pviap pick this topic you know that you asked is because back in the early 90s and even before that there had been started to um be a few discrimination cases There were some legal issues brought before the courts where it seemed that um, discrimination had been happening and the board was concerned that the community was not bringing to bear all of the best talent that it could and that um that there was some discrimination going on so it was some of some of these cases so it made some recommendations on the hiring and changing some of the evaluation programs um so those recommendations have been adopted, and as I said, there's a lot of progress been made in the in those um, in those
0: areas. Well, you've certainly been in a number of key positions with a great perspective on this issue. In your view, what still needs to be done?
1: So, you know, I still think we have to stop focusing on the numbers. Um, you know, it can't be, you know, identity politics, or it can't, I mean, th- this, this, you know, literally back then, there was like, if they were looking for a position, they would say, give me the book with the women. And there would be a book with, you know, um, qualified women in it. And then you would have to make a selection from that. So, we, you know, we can't really we can't really do that anymore. Um, I, I kind of feel like there might be some of that still going on a little bit with the um, trying to fill the roles with women, women. We need to do a little bit better. And we need to redefine what we value. You know, I think that women and people of color and other um, diversity bring strengths that are not necessarily recognized. And when men have developed what we believe to be a strength, um, it's not really a good idea for women and people of other cultures to try to be that, right? We can't be good at the qualities that other people have um, described. So we need to take a really wholesale look at what kind of qualities do we actually want and how do we reward them? And that may be quite different than what we're looking at right now.
0: Linda, looking forward um, 25 years from when the uh, report was issued, what resources exist today for women within the intelligence community?
1: Yeah. So there's been a lot of progress there, right? Obviously there are a lot of women in there and there are groups in the intelligence community, support groups, women in intelligence. And also there are a lot of groups outside of the intelligence community where women can join and be, you know, like AFYO, there's women in intelligence. There's a group called amazing women in intelligence. And so there are lots of outside groups that women can join. And then... You know, get some camaraderie and share some ideas with other women. But I would say, at the end of the day, the best resource for women in the intelligence community is other women. And the good news is there's a lot of them. You know, back in the day, you know, when I was at NSA initially, I was the only woman in the entire division. And that is not the case anymore. So the good news is there are. Other women in the intelligence community, which I would argue are the best resource for women in the intelligence community.
0: Well, now you're an educator, a professor at Marymount University, and you're helping to prepare the next generation of employees in the U.S. Uh, intelligence community. What advice do you have for your students, particularly your female students who are looking to a career in the IC?
1: Yeah. So, Yeah, thanks for letting me talk about Marymount, which is a little bit different. You know, I did adjunct at teaching at George Mason for a bit, um, and I really enjoy teaching. But Marymount is a school, you know, it's a Catholic university, and it's primarily women, primarily women in the school. And so even in my intelligence classes, I have mostly women, which is really different than other intelligence classes and different than when I was teaching at George Mason as well. So now I have primarily women in my class and I have a it's a small intelligence concentration. It's not a program. We call it a concentration. And it's in the graduate program of forensic and legal psychology. So my students primarily have undergraduate degrees in psychology, criminal justice, sometimes neuroscience, things like that. So they're not your traditional um, political science, international relations students. For me, that's the value. Right. So we bring different people from different backgrounds and thinking about um, like I I tell my students, you know, with my terrorism class, you know, if I was teaching terrorism at the Pentagon, we'd be talking about how many weapon systems do we need to take them down. But when I'm teaching it with my psychology students, we're like, what motivates these people? Why, why do they join? So we have to look at those kinds of ways to think about a problem. And I have a lot of women, so back to your question is, what do I recommend to the women? And I get a lot of big questions, you know, about women serving in the intelligence community. And um, I wanted to give you a couple of, a couple of things that, that I always tell my students. The first ones are for everybody. These are just not women. Things these are anyone who wants to, I believe, um, be successful in the intelligence community. There's three, because I think you need, you have to keep short lists and they have to be odd numbers. You know that's people remember odd numbers. One is do your best and then a little bit more. So whatever you're asked to do, do the best that you can do that plus a little bit more. That will make you successful. Secondly, I was like, just say yes. When someone asks you, do you want to be a part of this or do you want to take on this task or um, just say yes, or do you want to go on this detail? Say yes. Just say yes, because you'll never really know what you might learn, who you might meet. And when you say yes to opportunities when they're presented to you, unfortunately, in the community, that happens a lot. So just say yes. And then the last one is be a fireman. I like to call this a be a fireman. And what I mean by that is when something happens, go there, run over there and say, what can I do to help? You know, if something's happening in the world, you know this, there's going to be a task force or there's, they're going to set up a watch or whatever. Run over there, volunteer for that, be a fireman and go to the fire. Don't run away. Don't stand there and watch, but get over there and be a fireman. So those are my general ones for all, you know, young people entering the intelligence community, but specifically for women, I would say to them, look, understand your strengths and promote them. Don't apologize. Our strengths are different sometimes than men. So know your strengths, know your weaknesses and promote them and be articulate about it and be yourself. Don't try to be a man, right? Be yourself, you bring unique qualities And make everyone understand what they are. Don't try to be a man because we won't win, right? We're not men. We're not going to be able to do that. Keep your priorities. And it may be the case. Look, I come from a generation of, um, you know, we can have it all. I'm going to say maybe not, right? Maybe not. It's tough. And um, keep your priorities. What are your priorities? Because it's difficult for... um, you know, women to balance their work and their lives and their children and all of that. So remember what's important to you and don't apologize for what's important to you. You know, we all can do it, prioritize that. And then lastly, this one's like, don't whine, don't be a whiner. Nobody likes a whiner, right? And so, um, yeah, I didn't let my children be whiners. I don't let people work for me to be whiners. But if you feel that you've been discriminated against or whatever, you know, be strong, be articulate and make a good argument, don't be a whiner.
0: Nobody likes the liner. Linda, that's great advice, uh, actually, for everyone. Um, As you know, uh, AFIO has long had a very strong program of academic outreach, talking to colleges and universities, professors and students. Interestingly, we actually get a number of inquiries from high school students, people who have already decided that they might be interested in the U.S. intelligence community, and a number of them actually find their way to AFIO's door and ask for advice and assistance uh, and information. And as you know, we have a very good publication that's available both in hard copy, but also in soft copy, called Intelligence as a Career, which gives a very good uh, basic information about all the U.S. intelligence agencies, um, what they do, the kinds of people that they're looking for, and a list of U.S. colleges and universities where uh, intelligence community and national security affairs courses were given, like yours at Marymount. (laughs) Do you have anything extra that you might say to a high school student?
1: Right. So you know, thank you for that that um, that resource. And I give all of my my new students. I used to give them all hard copies. Now I just give them all PDFs. It's on. It's posted on all of my class sites. And so, thank you to Avio for doing that. Um, so I think for high school students, I think um, again. You know, when I have some of my students, they everyone shows up saying, I want to be a CIA analyst or I want to work in the FBI. Like they they don't necessarily understand the breadth of the intelligence. Um, so, you know, I'm always recruiting my students to, you know, do things, you know, go to the Costco or go to D.A. or go to energy, you know, Treasury, some of these lesser known intelligence um, issues. Um what I would say to students in high school and believe me, I'm really glad that they're interested in it, but to try to do their homework and understand that it's not what you see on TV, you know? So, you know, you have to make an informed decision just like we teach our students. And so you, you know, the information is not spy kids and Jason Bourne and, you know, Jack Ryan, right. That's not, so I would, I would, suggest that they do their homework and look at what the intelligence community really does. Um, and then, you know, go after it, you know, learn learn languages. I mean, we need we need those people in the intelligence community and um, the world is changing. And, you know, the way I did analysis really isn't the way analysis needs to be done now. It's the, it's the young people who come with resources and they need to teach me how we can do analysis differently.
0: Uh, as you know, Linda, we're not able to have uh, in-person events right now because of COVID-19. Right. But when we do have our in-person lunches, I'm very pleased to say that we um, routinely get a a very nice number of uh, students from colleges and universities in our area to our uh, in-person events. And um, the last time we did one of our seminars at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, we were actually able to take a number of students uh, along with us including one high school student and uh, NGA actually very kindly put on a special lunch just for the students and had some of their analysts come down and uh, have lunch with the students and talk just to them. So we're always looking for other opportunities to do things like that for students because probably the biggest question I get is, you know, it's really nice to talk to you retired guys, but I'd really like to talk to somebody who's doing the job now. Exactly. <laughs> and that's one of the few opportunities that we can provide to them, given the, the classified nature of, uh, of the community work.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm also I volunteer at the Spy Museum, too. So I'm a fan of the Spy Museum um, because, you know, one of its missions is to educate as well. Right. And so um Uh, That's why I like. So they also have a lot of good resources where, you know, you can learn about intelligence in in a realistic way. You know, they kind of make it fun and interesting, but it's also realistic. So there are lots of things. And, you know, Jim, I send my Marymount students to the AFFE luncheons whenever I can. So um, I appreciate those. And, And believe me, they're all looking forward to you know, having to be able to do those in person again. Um, you know, one of my students just yes this last night was telling me she was so excited that she met Jim Olson actually at a lunch because I, I use his books in one of my classes. And so she was um, really happy to meet him at a lunch. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, Jim, and we get these in-person things soon.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that all the time from our chapter presidents and from our, our members.
1: And one more thing I noticed when I was reading the... the uh, the transcript from DNI um, Haynes' uh, confirmation hearing yesterday. One of her priorities, as she listed, was partnerships with state and locals, academia, and the private sector. So I think, you know, we, you know, I know that they do a lot of partnering, but to have her list that as one of her priorities, I think is really good. And I'm encouraged by that and, um, you know, to take advantage of partnering with academia, not only with what we can bring to the community, but you know, we need to use it as a recruiting tool for getting the best and the brightest to the community.
0: Yeah, that's very encouraging. I hope that we can take her up on that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I hope so too. I don't know her, but I'm gonna take her up on that as one of her uh, priorities.
0: Well, Linda, this has been very interesting and very informative. Uh, I would like to thank you and your students and Marymount University. And we look forward to having you come back again uh, sometime very soon.
1: Well, thank you, mu- thank you so much, Jim, for having me. I appreciate it, and thanks for all the good work Afio does. Thanks.